Welcome to the Insurance Law Podcast, brought to you by Best Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys. Welcome to the Insurance Law Podcast, the broadcast about timely and important legal issues affecting the insurance industry. I'm John Zuba, editor of Best Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys. Joining me is Brendan Noonan from our communications team. We're pleased to have with us today attorney Rich Fiday from the law firm of Colony Fast, Talenfeld, Karlinski, and Abate, PA, with offices in Fort Lauderdale and Tallahassee, Florida. Rich is a partner of the firm and a member of both the Florida and Pennsylvania bars. He also manages the firm's regulatory law division, and we're pleased to have you with us today, Rich. Thank you. It's great to be here, John. Our topic today is on the implementation of the Dodd-Frank Act provisions related to a nationwide system for the collection and allocation of surplus lines and other regulatory changes. Signed by President Obama on July 21st of 2010, the Dodd-Frank Wall Street Reform and Consumer Protection Act was considered to be historic legislation intended to facilitate sweeping changes to financial services regulation. The Surplus Lines Insurance Industry's particular focus is on the Non-Admitted and Reinsurance Reform Act, or on the NRRA, which was enacted as part of the Dodd-Frank Act. And Brendan Noonan is going to lead off today with our first question. Uh, Rich, describe some of the basic provisions of the NRRA as they refer to surplus lines premium tax. Sure, Brendan. Uh, The NRRA sets forth parameters for the collection and allocation of surplus lines premium tax and the regulation of surplus lines insurance placements. Most of the provisions of the NLRA have become effective as of July 21 of 2011, so they were just recently uh, 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 implemented. Under the NRRA, no state other than the state of the home state of the insured may require any premium tax payment for non-admitted insurance. The Act provides that states may enter into a compact or otherwise establish procedures to allocate the premium taxes paid to the insured home state among themselves. Uh, How does the NRRA define the home state of the insured? In the case of an individual insured, the home state is the state of the individual's principal residence. For an entity, the home state is the state in which the insured maintains its principal place of business. For either an individual or an entity, if 100% of the insured's risk is not located in the identified state, the home state is the state with the greatest percentage of the insured's taxable premium allocated to it under the insurance policy. For placements involving an affiliated group of companies, the home state will be the principal place of business of the member of the group with the largest percentage of premium under the surplus lines contract. Uh, Rich, does the NRRA have any effect on the state licensure of surplus lines brokers? Yes, it does. Uh, With limited exception, the only state that may require licensure of a surplus lines broker is the insured's home state. So brokers don't need to be concerned about licensure in every state with a portion of the multi-state risk so long as the broker is licensed in the insured's home state. Also, a year from now, On July 21, 2012, a state may not collect any surplus lines broker licensing fees unless the state participates in the NEIC's national producer database or an equivalent national database for broker licensure. And are there any changes in the NRRA affecting surplus lines insurers? Yes. States are prohibited from imposing most eligibility requirements on non-admitted U.S. insurers unless the state has adopted 
certain nationwide uniform requirements and procedures under the NRRA. The only requirements that may be imposed by a state that has not adopted nationwide procedures relate to the authority to write the applicable types of business and capital and surplus standards for the insurance company. Also, a state may not prohibit a broker from placing non-admitted insurance with an alien surplus lines insurer that is listed on the NEIC's listing of alien insurers. Uh, Rich, many states have standards for placements by large industrial or other commercial purchasers. How does the NRRA address them? Most states require a diligent search in the admitted market before placing coverage for many surplus lines placements. This often requires declinations from three admitted carriers. Under the NRRA, surplus lines brokers seeking non-admitted insurance for an exempt commercial purchaser do not need to satisfy any diligent search requirements so long as the broker, number one, discloses that insurance may be available in the admitted market, and number two, the exempt commercial purchaser provides a written request for non-admitted coverage. The NRRA defines certain companies, municipalities, and nonprofit organizations that would be considered to be exempt commercial purchasers based on their size, premium volume, and other criteria geared to establish a level of sophistication in the purchase of commercial insurance. Uh, Rich, back to taxes. How does the NRRA change the prior method used by the states to tax surplus lines policies? Well, prior to the NRRA, a majority of the states taxed only that portion of the exposure on a multi-state placement allocated to that particular state. Most states have traditionally not collected 100% of the premium tax for a non-admitted multi-state insurance placement. Usually the premium tax on non on multi-state policies was paid to each state based on the covered exposure in that state. Brokers would have to allocate the premium and taxes among the state, among the states involved, and pay taxes to each state that would be involved in that placement. This practice changed on July 21st of this year. Now, brokers will only be required to pay tax to the home state of the insured rather than all states involved in the placement. Since the NRRA was enacted, many states have passed laws or have introduced legislation enabling that state to impose tax on the total amount of the, of the surplus lines premium rather than the way it used to be, which was the state's allocated risk. Depending on the law of the home state, the broker will either pay 100% of the tax to the home state if they've adopted a law implementing the NRRA, or if the home state's laws have not been drafted to accommodate the NRRA, only that portion of the tax allocated to that state, which is the way it was done prior to the NRRA. Uh, so does the NRRA completely abandon the concept that surplus lines premium taxes are allocated among the affected states? No. The NRRA provides that the states may enter into a compact or otherwise establish procedures to allocate premium taxes among the affected states. The NRRA also provides for the filing of tax allocation reports showing the premium attributable to exposures located in each state. 
This is intended to facilitate the payment and allocation of premium taxes among the impacted states. The states are not required to enter a compact or other uniform agreement. However, Congress's intent was that each state would adopt nationwide uniform procedures providing for the collection and allocation of premium taxes. And what has been done in response to the NRRA to provide for the uniform allocation of taxes? The NRRA fueled an effort by the NAIC, National Conference of Insurance Legislators, and interested industry stakeholders to work toward a consensus for the standardized implementation of the NRRA. However, the policymakers could not agree on a uniform approach. Rather, there are now two competing implementation plans that are in play among the states. The non-admitted insurance multi-state agreement, also known as NEMA, developed by the NAIC, and the Surplus Lines Insurance Multi-State Compliance Compact, also known as SLIMPAC, which was sponsored by NCOIL. Uh, what does NEMA provide? Well, NEMA requires participating states to implement uniform requirements for the reporting and allocation of premium tax. A clearinghouse is to be established to facilitate the receipt and distribution of premium taxes and transaction data on non-admitted multi-state insurance. NEMA provides a tax allocation formula that is based on the rates established by each state participating in the NEMA agreement. Some are concerned that NEMA's allocation formula is, is similar to the prior system that the NRRA was enacted to eliminate. Also, NEMA has been described by some as addressing only the collection and allocation of premium taxes, but not the uniformity of regulation that's required by the NRRA. That said, to date, 11 states and one U.S. territory, Alaska, Connecticut, Florida, Hawaii, Louisiana, Mississippi, Nebraska, Nevada, Puerto Rico, South Dakota, Utah, and Wyoming have entered into the NEMA agreement. Also, other states have enacted laws that permit them to enter NEMA or a comparable agreement, and those would include Georgia, Oklahoma, and West Virginia. And Rich, what has developed on the other tax allocation model, SLIMPACT? Well, SLIMPAC is a compact that would normally have to be entered by the state through enacted legislation. It, become, it became effective when it was enacted by two states. It provides for the creation of a commission for rulemaking and governance that becomes effective once 10 states have joined the compact. In essence, SLIMPAC is described by some in the industry as being more comprehensive in response to the NRRA. In addition to facilitating the collection and allocation of premium tax, the compact is intended to improve efficiency by implementing a, a uniform regulation among the member states. The SLIMPAC Commission is charged with the adoption of mandatory uniform rules to implement the NRRA. So far, nine states have entered into SLIMPAC. Those are Kentucky, New Mexico, North Dakota, Indiana, Kansas, Vermont, Rhode Island, Alabama, and Tennessee. Ohio has passed a law permitting the state superintendent of insurance to enter SLIMPAC if the superintendent finds that it's in the state's financial best interest 
after a fiscal analysis is conducted, also New York is considering a bill that would also provide for the enactment of slim pack. Uh, what have the other states done in terms of indre- addressing the NRRA? Well, several states have passed laws that require a study or fiscal analysis to determine how the entry of a compact or an agreement would affect the state's premium tax revenues. Some legislation has specifically set forth criteria that must be considered or that must be included in any such agreement or compact. Other states' legislation affords a greater degree of, of discretion to the insurance commissioner or another state official to enter a multi-state agreement or a compact. As a result, this is a very fluid situation and developments will arise on NEMA and SLIMPAC as time passes. So far, 40 states have adopted laws addressing the NRRA in some manner, including the nine states that have entered SLIMPAC, the 11 states uh, and one territory that have entered NEMA. Most states are considering or have passed legislation to change their laws so that at the very least they're authorized to collect 100% of the tax applicable to all surplus lines placements. At this point, the legislative process is resulting in a fragmented system. This will create a lot of uncertainty in the market. We can expect also that the failure of the states to agree on a nationwide uniform system will draw the attention of Congress and the federal policymakers as they study the effect of the NRRA and the success of states' implementation efforts. Rich, thanks so much for joining us today. Okay, thank you. It was a pleasure. You've just listened to Rich Fidei from the law firm of Colony Fast, Talenfeld, Karlinski and Abate, PA, with offices in Fort Lauderdale and Tallahassee, Florida. Special thanks to Brenda Noonan from our communications team and to our producer, Brian Cohen. And thank you all for joining us for the Insurance Law Podcast. To subscribe to this audio program, visit podcast.insuranceattorneysearch.com or go to online directories such as iTunes or Google or Yahoo's podcast directory. If you have any suggestions for your future topic regarding an insurance law case or issue, please email us at lawpodcast at ambest.com. I'm John Zuba, joined by Brendan Noonan, and now this message. Best's directory of recommended insurance attorneys is used by decision makers at insurance companies responsible for selecting legal counsel and representation. The printed directory is distributed annually to insurance companies, non-insurance companies, third-party administrators, and corporate counsel around the world, and the online edition is accessible throughout the year. Your listing in Best's directory of recommended insurance attorneys is the most effective way to ensure that thousands of potential clients have access to your outstanding credentials. Here's why you should be listed in the number one insurance insurance attorney reference. Your firm's credentials will be listed in our comprehensive reference guide, which is made available to thousands of insurance professionals globally, both in print and online. AMBEST listees are recognized as the most qualified in their field to represent the unique needs of insurance companies. Key decision makers rely on the directory to take the guesswork out of their selection process. They know that only the best are listed, those firms with a proven track record of excellence who are recommended by their insurance industry clients. And remember, one low rate guarantees year long visibility for your firm. We invite you to use our web application process to apply for a listing today. With our reasonable rates and broad exposure, there's no more effective way to get the attention of the insurance industry. For more information about Best's Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys, visit www.insuranceattorneysearch.com.